Hello, and welcome to Home Equity Bank's Mindful Money Podcast. My name is Steve Ranson, and for 20 years, I've been the CEO of Home Equity Bank. We're a federally regulated bank that specializes in helping Canadians, age 55 or older, release the equity they've built in their homes. That money can then be spent any way you want, on renovations, travel, helping other family members, buying a home, or reducing debt. And as a bank, we have only one product, reverse mortgages. But it's a financial tool that can and should be incorporated into any conversation about long-term financial planning. With this podcast series, we want to talk about many of the broader issues that affect the financial well-being of Canadians. Managing debt, healthcare options, financial planning, real estate trends, and the impact of demographic shifts on the economy. Thanks for joining us. You're listening to Home Equity Bank's Mindful Money Podcast. I'm Deirdre McMurdy. In this episode, we're speaking with Lori Campbell, CEO of Credit Canada Debt Solutions. Hi, Lori. Hi there. Now, how long have you been involved with debt counselling? I've been involved, I, I hate to say it, I've been involved for about 27 years. So I've seen a lot of change, a lot of interesting uh, things over the, uh, the years, especially with the economy and the way people manage money. Well, what are some of the biggest changes then that you've observed over that time? I think some of the biggest changes I've seen is the introduction of things like payday lending into the economy or into uh, people's way of borrowing. Certainly we've seen higher levels of debt to the extreme over the years and very different mortgage rules that have come down over the last 25 to 30 years. Well, let's unpackage that a little bit then. Mm -hmm. Talking about the debt, first of all, what's changed? Was there some sort of sudden reason that that happened? Was it gradual creep? Why are people so much more tolerant of debt than they used to be? Well, you know, when I first started at, at credit counseling at, back in 1992, um, or 1990 actually, the debt to income ratio was for every dollar a Canadian made, they owed 90 cents. Today, for every dollar a Canadian makes, they owe $1.67. So the capacity for debt has increased, the appetite for debt has increased, and also the lack of savings certainly has become a huge problem in Canada. And as such, what we're seeing today is people having being quite frankly slaves to debt to a certain degree and having very little wiggle room in their budget to put savings away and having somewhat of a, a, a laissez-faire attitude towards carrying large debt. Well, why is that? I mean, there used to be a social, certain social stigma around being in debt or going into personal bankruptcy, and now it seems as though that's a lot more acceptable. Is that one mm -hmm. of the things that's changed, or, or what do you think has precipitated this? I, my personal thought is that consumerism has been a big problem for Canadians. And why I say that is, is that, you know, people will argue, well, you know, the cost of living is higher now, and it's very hard to make ends meet. But let's be real. Um, in, in the early 60s, um, when credit cards came into effect, people really didn't borrow the way they do now, or didn't have revolving credit the way they do now. Um, people live with one car. They often lived off of one income. Um, they saved up for things that they wanted to buy. Today, the attitude is if I want it, I'm going to get it, I deserve it, and I'm going to borrow in order to get that. Most people, most families have two cars. Uh, most people have a lot of different types of gadgets. You know, you're, you were lucky in the 1960s if you had one television in the house. Now there's an expectation to have several different televisions in the house and every, uh, every latest gadget that exists. So 
the reality of it is, I think that Canadians have have a huge appetite for cons to consume, to buy, and and also to believe that they deserve it. I'm not negating the fact that there are many people that do struggle to make ends meet. Those are not the ones I'm talking about, though. I'm not talking about people who really watch every single penny that comes into their house and budget extremely well. I'm talking about individuals who haven't got an eye on their budget, individuals who are not saving, and individuals who are using mm -hmm. debt indiscriminately. Now you, to use your own terms, referred to an absence of wiggle room in people's mm -hmm. budgets. Interest rates are now starting to rise, certainly in Canada, probably in the U.S. as well. What does that portend in your view? You know, with interest rates increasing, we've, we've seen, you know, two interest rate hikes so far. Um, and what I believe will happen is that as interest rates continue to rise, we will see an, an increase in insolvencies. It's the reality that I believe we are facing when we realize that the savings rates at an all-time low today, many Canadians um, with the second interest rate hike were feeling the squeeze. And I believe that they don't have wiggle room in order to be able to weather another storm like this or another interest rate increase. And as these interest rates increase, you know, it won't impact everyone. Not everyone's debt um, is tied to interest rates. But a lot of people have home equity loans, they have lines of credit, uh, and those types of things that will impact them. Also, with the housing market slowing down because of interest rate uh, hikes, we will see individuals that may want to sell their home not being able to. And we saw this in the early 90s, and it was a disaster. Yeah. Is there a typical client yeah. in your practice? Are there certain common denominators, certain commonalities, or is every story different? You know, Deidre, every story is different, yet there are some commonalities. Every story is different in that people find themselves in the situation of their financial distress because of, of a variety of reasons. It might be an employment, it might be a divorce, it could be just completely uh, as simple as mismanagement. In, fun, in fact, one of the number one reasons for insolvency is mismanagement. But the commonalities are that often these people have not been able to budget effectively. Uh, there's been no savings for a rainy day, so no emergency funds set aside. There's been no stress test on their financial situation. And in many cases, they've really avoided dealing with the financial issues until the very last moment when they had no other choice. Do you see any demographic changes over the time that you've been involved with credit counseling? Yes, there is a certain demographic that has increased, and that is elderly people. Back in the early 90s, when I started, we did not see a lot of seniors coming in to use our service. And I think that was the old adage that you that seniors had back then, that you save for a rainy day, um, you know, a penny earned is a penny saved, that kind of thing. Today, we're seeing more seniors with high debt levels that have, you know, perhaps left the, the job market because they were forced out or because they thought they could retire, trying to get back into the uh, into the job market and can't because it's very difficult for retired people to get back into the job market with a high level of debt for a variety of reasons. And at what point do they come to you? Are they brought to you or do yeah. they voluntarily come to you? How does that work? And especially with seniors, how does that work? Because I think it's probably a little more complicated in those cases, at least emotionally or even socially. 
It is very complicated for a lot of seniors to admit that they have a financial problem and to actually have to disclose that to a third party and usually a stranger. But people do come to us on their own accord. Um, nobody is ever forced to come to the organization, but you know they might be referred by a creditor or by a social service, by a friend or family member to seek the help of credit counseling. But the reality of it is, it is more difficult for seniors. They often wait until they have no other options and they're often feeling very embarrassed and uh, isolated about their situation because they were, at this stage in life, were, were hoping to be able to help out their children, for example, and they're in no position to do so. Where do you begin the process in those cases? Where do you start the conversation? And what are some of the goals that you try to set? You know, our counselors are so seasoned at working with individuals from all walks of life. So when, when, they, when they know people are very vulnerable and they're in a precarious situation with their finances, it, it takes a lot of coaxing to, to go through the whole financial picture because we're going to take a look at their income, their assets, their debts, and their budget to find out where they're at and what can be done about their financial situation. So a full evaluation of their financial situation, their snapshot, snapshot of their current finances, is the first thing that we do. And then we look at options uh, available to them. Can they get back into the workforce? Can they sell an asset? Um, are there options available for them to consolidate their debt? Do they have family members that can help them out? Uh, et cetera, et cetera. So we look at everything, find out what's best for them, and make those options available to them based on their set of circumstances, and it's up to them to choose how they want to proceed. And do people in that position typically own homes or have real estate assets, or is that something that's not a given anymore, that people are more, it's seniors a, are renting more yeah. or less likely to be homeowners? It's, it's a mixed bag, quite frankly. We have a lot of people that are homeowners, and they may have their adult children living with them, because their adult children aren't coping financially. Uh, we have people that are renters that are seniors that just are finding the cost of living too high. So we do get a mixed bag. Obviously, if they're homeowners and they have some equity in their home, it, it gives them uh, many more options. If they're renters and on a fixed income, it's kind of stressful because they are looking at, um, you know, trying to make ends meet with very few options. There's no shortage of information and advice and goodness mm -hmm. knows what kind of assistance available to people. Why is there this almost stubborn refusal to plan better? Or not refusal, but reluctance to somehow have some self-discipline to plan, to start early. I mean, people are told this from a very young age now that you've well, got to do that. We, I think Canadian, I think we get mixed messages. I think on one side we're told, you know, say, like we hear it everywhere, you've got to save for retirement. If you don't save for retirement, you're never going to be able to retire. That's media blasts us with that. But on the other side, advertising blasts us with a completely different message. You deserve this. You deserve that vacation. How come you're not out there on the town dining, uh, wanting and dining every night? Look at all those wonderful things those other people are doing. So while I think we are bombarded with, yes, you should be saving, there's this other side, this kind of, you know, FOMO thing, fear of missing out, uh, advertising that tells us if we don't live for today and we don't, we're not capitalizing on every opportunity out there, then we're not living life. And that is very costly. Has social media made a difference? Because people aren't as likely to be bombarded, as you said, by sort of mass market approaches. Everything seems to be a little more customized, a little more personally focused. Does that make any kind of material difference in the mindset or in the behavior? I think, I think social media is a little insidious in the way that it encourages people to spend. I mean, take a look at Facebook, for example. 
if you ever want to be depressed, and they've done studies on this over and over again, if you ever want to be depressed, go look at your the Facebook feed and find out how great everybody else's life is. You know, they're making the best, look at the wonderful meals they're, they're posting, the wonderful vacations they're posting, all those wonderful sayings and, and you know, truisms that they're, they're out there uh, living their lives to the fullest. And at the same time, um, you're stuck at your desk, you know, eating lunch, <laughs> you know, from a paper bag. And so you start to think, wow, man, I'm, I'm totally missing out and I need to get a life. And the truth of the matter is, is what people are not posting on Facebook is the fact that, you know, gee, the, the kid's sick today and gee, got a flat tire and oh man, my boss is really bugging me today. Those types of things, which are everyday life. And so we see through social media that everyone's living this fantasy life. And we think that we should be living it too. That's, again, very expensive. When should people start to implement a financial plan, Lori? I mean, when you, when you consider all the people who've come through your doors, like at what point should you maybe start to think about that? And realistically, because I mean, you can tell your kids that, but, right, yeah. you know, when they're teenagers and they're sort of struggling mm -hmm. to get off the ground in their 20s, they're a little less receptive probably, right. but realistically. Realistically, I mean, obviously, Deidre, I'm going to tell you the sooner the better. I mean, in your 20s, if you can start to really think about how you can put some money away, the biggest killer that I see that people get themselves into is the cycle of debt. So if at least in your 20s you can avoid incurring debt, and I'm talking about credit card debt, high interest debt, payday loans, even lines of credit that are unnecessary, if you can get a job and stay out of debt, that's half the battle. The other half is to start putting some savings away. And these are really actually simple things to do if you don't have debt. Debt is the number one enemy. As soon as you've got debt and you're burdened and saddled with debt, all those other possibilities that, that you should be able to have with your finances kind of go out the window until you get rid of that debt. So if people can think about that in their 20s and early 30s and start putting a plan in place, and it doesn't have to be a hefty amount, they will be so much further ahead than most of their peers over time. It's, it's quite incredible how quickly and how easily it can be done. And ending on a more positive note than perhaps <laughs> some of our, our topics have been, is there a sort of a, a great debt counseling success story that you've got, maybe one involving a senior, someone who's sort of managed, you know, even at a later point in their life, mm -hmm. uh, to get out from under that burden and have some success? Wow, we've had so many success stories. Honestly, we truly have many, many, many over the years, many seniors that are, are so dedicated to paying their debt off. I mean, there's a group of individuals that really does not want to go bankrupt. Uh, they do not want to um, burden their family. So they, uh, I mean, I remember one lady that was a senior and she had gotten involved in gambling after her husband died. And as, uh, as an individual, she was a widow, widow li living on her own, kind of lonely, so she started going out, the, the bus would pick them up at the corner, she'd go on the bus, she'd go gambling. She ended up having like $15,000 in debt with gambling. She had a pension, but obviously that went through that and went through um, credit card debt very quickly. Well, she managed to pay everything off. She stopped gambling and she actually spoke at one of our annual general meetings. So that was a lovely success story. Um, one other one I will mention, not a senior, but an individual who only came in to see us once for one hour. Um, she saw a counselor, never heard from her again. I don't, you know, she's one of 
thousands of people come into the agency. But two years later, she sent us a letter saying, I've paid off all my debt. I've done everything I was told in that one hour session. It's completely changed my life. And she gave a huge donation to the agency for money that she had saved. It was quite incredible. So we know that solution-focused counseling works. We know that people, when they're motivated, can turn their lives around completely. And we know that there's many opportunities for people to be successful financially, even if they've had a hard time. Great. Well, thank you so much, Lori. Thank you.